This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Hi and welcome to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show here on Plains FM 96.9. My name is Louise and I'm an alcoholic. The purpose of this show is to increase public awareness of Alcoholics Anonymous as an effective means of recovery from the disease of alcoholism. Our show has two parts. First, we'll talk a bit about alcoholism, what it is and what AA can do to help. Then we'll interview a recovering alcoholic who is an active member of AA. I'm now going to ask our guests to read the AA preamble, which is read at the start of every AA meeting. Hi, I'm Jane and I'm an alcoholic. Alcoholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover from alcoholism. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. There are no dues or fees for AA membership. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. AA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organisation or institution, does not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sober and help other alcoholics to achieve sobriety. Thanks, Jane. So what is alcoholism? Alcoholism is a disease not a disgrace. There's no shame in having an illness or a disease. An unusual feature of this disease is that it will do whatever it can to convince you that you do not have it. However, once it has a hold of you, the progression of symptoms is like the classic disease model and the victim is as helpless as a sufferer of cancer. If you are an alcoholic, you're at the beginning of a long road that usually ends in one of three places, prisons, institutions or death. If you think this sounds dramatic, we can assure you that our collective experience has shown this to be true. The challenge is to convince the alcoholic to admit that they need help and become willing to seek it. Denial is a major symptom of alcoholism. The alcoholic is often the last one to recognise it and admit that they have it. Our definition of alcoholism is it is an allergy of the body coupled with an obsession of the mind. The allergy is the physical aspect of the disease. After having the first drink, the phenomenon of craving develops and we lose control over when we will stop drinking. The old saying is, one is too many and a thousand is never enough. And yet, because of the obsession of the mind, the mental aspect of the disease, the alcoholic is compelled to keep picking up the first drink. And this is what makes us powerless. We often hear from sober alcoholics that many doubted whether life could be fun without alcohol. Fortunately, those same people report that their lives have improved dramatically since they became sober. The 12-step program of recovery, which is discussed at meetings and which is outlined in the Alcoholics Anonymous Big Book, is how we get sober and maintain our sobriety one day at a time. This program has has a proven track record of helping otherwise hopeless alcoholics to achieve long-term sobriety and recovery. It has taught us how to enjoy life sober. 
Okay, for anyone who has just joined us, you're listening to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show here on Plains FM 96.9. And we're just about to interview an AA member who's going to share their experience with alcoholism. Welcome to the show, Jane. Um, Would you like to introduce yourself and uh, perhaps tell us how old you are? Hi, my name is Jane and I'm an alcoholic and I'm in my early 40s. Awesome. Welcome to the show. And um, how long have you been sober for? Just on 10 months. Oh, wonderful. That's amazing. And um, tell us a little bit about your your life outside of AA. Do you work? Yes, um, I'm a teacher and I live with my husband and teenage children. Oh, brilliant. And you're from Christchurch? Born and bred. Oh, brilliant. And um, let's, um, let's talk a little bit more then about... Why we're here, so you're drinking, what it was like, uh, and how did it start? Well, I drank socially when I was a teenager. Uh, Looking back, I did drink to excess when I went to parties. Mm -hmm. Um, I drank socially in my 20s. Uh, Never really saw it as a problem. It's just what I did with my friends. We all Mm. went partying to clubs and whatnot. Um, but I did notice that if I started to drink in a party situation, I would drink to excess. Mm. Mm. And did others around you drink the same? Not probably as much as I did. Mm. Sure, sure. Mm. And, um, you know, as you progressed through your 20s, um, you know, did you at any time think, this isn't normal and or try and stop or control it? Not during my 20s because I uh, was pregnant and breastfeeding my children right. uh, through my late 20s. So I, in fact, did not drink for quite a few years. Mm. Uh, it wasn't until um, I was in my early 30s and I started to drink in the evenings, and it wasn't just the Friday and Saturday night. It stopped being as social, and I found that it was my way of coping with a stressful day, part-time work, and then coming home to toddlers. Uh, And mm, I think it was in my early 30s that I started to think, maybe I have to cut back. But mm. I still did not think I had a problem as far as alcoholism was concerned. Sure, sure. And, at, you know, in the earlier days of your drinking, or at any time, did you ever get in trouble with the law? No, I was actually fortunate in that respect because there have been more than a few occasions where I drove my car mm-hmm. under the influence and I knew I shouldn't have, but it was, you know, I'd had a few wines, I'd finished the bottle, Mm -hmm. I wanted to go to the supermarket and get another one, and I thought, it's only around the corner. So I, in fact, was lucky in that respect Mm. that I didn't get arrested. Um, Yeah. And and I guess, um, you know, it's not just convictions or, Mm. or trouble with the law. Was there any impact on your family life? your social life and Mm. your relationships with your friends and family. Mm, Huge. So as I say, it was as my children were through primary school and I only drank in the evenings. 
and I drank alone. I was self-isolating. Mm. I actually stopped going out with friends because mm-hmm. I couldn't drink with them the mm. way I wanted to. Mm. You know, you go out to a restaurant for dinner, I would watch them have a glass of wine with their meal and that was the end of it. And I just thought, I don't understand why anyone would just have one glass of wine. What is the point, was my thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, I would drink to get that feeling of numbness, to forget the worries of the day and mm. worries of life in general. Um so, yeah, I, I did start self-isolating, as I mentioned earlier. I didn't think I was impacting my family or my friends in the fact that I wasn't a violent drunk, I wasn't putting anyone in physical danger, I wasn't getting arrested, I was maintaining my job. Mm. Um, but it became, I couldn't wait for my day to, my work day to finish so that I could just get home and start drinking. And then I started to resent my friends asking me out or uh, or my family wanting to have a get-together because, you know, that meant I couldn't do what I wanted to do. Mm. And, of course, it's all about me, me, me. Mm. Mm. And, mm. and um, I guess, you know, often we, we talk about our rock bottom um, and the things you've described almost make it harder for us because it's not as... Um, we don't hit that rock bottom as, as quickly as as, mm. as some people that come into the program have. Can you describe for us what your rock bottom was or what brought you into the rooms or decided that actually I have to stop? Yeah, absolutely. I had known for five or more years that I had a serious drinking problem. I had not said the word alcoholic. But I knew something had to change because I had become the kind of wife that just didn't communicate with her Mm -hmm. husband. Um, I was barely there for my children in the evenings and the drinking progressed to the point where I was easily drinking a couple of bottles and most nights a week. Mm. Uh, I would drink till I blacked out and I would drink alone in my bedroom So, as I said, the alcoholic brain that I have thought to myself, well, I'm not actually hurting anybody, but in fact, I definitely was. Mm. I didn't have one of those rock bottoms where something, a major event occurred and I suddenly Mm. was like, oh, light bulb. It was actually something quite minor in a way, but I think that because of that time that had built up where I'd known something had to change, I actually got an email from my sister who also has children and the night before, I'd gone to my nephew's twelve year, uh, his twelfth birthday party at my sister's house, just the family event. Mm-hmm. And I had had a few drinks before I went to make it more fun for myself. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought I was in complete control, but it turns out that I was tripping over the pool table and um, slurring words and whatnot. So anyway, my sister emailed the next day and just said, I, do, I, do, I don't want you to come over to my house anymore. I don't want my children to see that. I don't want my children to be around that. And that really scared me because nice. I was like that at home, evidently, without realising it was so obvious. Wow. And that, I was going to say, how did that make you feel? But you've just said that scared you. It scared me. I actually was mortified. Yeah, um, And I think because it's such a slow progressive disease that my children and my husband just, although they had tried multiple times to get me to stop, 
they just sort of gave up and accepted it and just kept their distance and life just kept rolling on. So, yeah. And so so you had had uh, people in your life say to you, and that being your husband and your children. Mm-hmm. Yes, I had. Yes, my family and my friends had quite a few times over the last, um, and through my throughout my 30s had said to me, you know, this is becoming an issue. We've noticed that when you ring or when we ring you on the phone, you're slurring your words. It's, yeah, that they had definitely noticed well before I, and of course I kept denying it. Sure. Yeah. And denying it to them or denying it to you? Probably both. Yeah, sure. Definitely both. Okay, so that event where, or, or the, you know, it wasn't a major, we don't, you don't class it as a major event, but was that enough for you to go, okay, I need to do something, I need to change? Yes. And so what did you do? That very next night, I went to an AA meeting. I looked up the website. Uh, I actually downloaded the AA meeting guides app. Mm-hmm. And I went to a meeting, it was an all-women's meeting, and that was the beginning of my AA journey. And tell us about what it was like to walk into the meeting, what were the people like, and how did they make you feel? I was nervous when I first walked through the door, but I got nothing but smiles, welcomes, Uh, people were extremely welcoming, and swapping cell phone numbers... Uh, keep coming back. That's the message I got. We'll see you next week. We'll see you tomorrow at another meeting. Wow. And um, did you resonate with the stories? I did. That's the interesting thing is that we all come in with slightly different backgrounds and stories, but we do have the the one thing in common, um, and we can absolutely relate to each other's stories. I think the other thing is that I grew up around people who drank, if you want to say normally, um, and I didn't have alcoholic parents. My husband doesn't drink. Uh, and so it's nice for me to be able to be in a room of people who can actually understand where I'm coming from mm. and what I'm going through. Mm. Absolutely. And um, so tell us then, that was your first meeting. Um, what did you do from there to, you know, maintain, you know, you're now nearly 10 months sober. Mm. What are some of the things you've done since then to maintain your sobriety? I think going to the meetings is one of the most important things for me. That has helped me the Mm -hmm. most. Mm -hmm. Uh, I did what was suggested, and it is suggested there are no rules. Love that. You go in with the first thing, don't pick up that first drink. Um, I did my 90 meetings in 90 days, and that seems like a lot. In fact, I think I actually did more than that. Wow. There were some days I went to two meetings. Uh, With COVID, of course, there were also online meetings, which Mm -hmm. are great. Um, I got a sponsor within my first week. Wow. Was that quite a big task for you to do to reach out and ask someone? It was easy for me because a lot of the meetings at the end of the meeting say, you know, if anyone would like it, like to be a sponsor, sure. even if it's a temporary sponsor, you know, and, and so I approached someone and she's been my sponsor ever since. Wow, that's great. Mm. And I think that's such an important thing. We talk about sponsorship. We don't have to do this alone. Mm. And, uh, you, know, you know, nor do we have to, yeah, figure it out. 
We talk about the big book has instructions, mm. but again, having that sponsor to guide you through. Um, and so that's that's mm. wonderful to hear. Um, so, you know, talking about service, um, so, um, you know, putting yourself outside of your comfort zone and doing things um, within the fellowship, how important has that been for you? Yes, I, um, I started small. I, you know, gave my cell phone number to newcomers. Yep. Uh, I went to have coffee with some other AA friends, I'll call them mm-hmm. now, because, you know, you get to know your fellow AA members. And uh, I took up a couple of service roles at, at some meetings. I'm the literacy person um, at one. I bring in tea, coffee and biscuits to another. Wow. Um, and I'm sitting here now doing the radio station, yep. so I figure that's a service. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And... Um, and and it is you're right that fellowship, you know, letting yourself become a part of that fellowship, um, and is that um, something that was a little bit daunting or hard to do at the beginning? Only because I was walking into something that I didn't understand, didn't okay. know what to expect. Okay. But as I said, everyone is so welcoming and sure. approachable, and we've all been through it. Yeah. So. Um, and so that mm. makes it easier. Oh, absolutely. Sure. And so we talked early, a little bit you know, earlier on about denial. And so denial to other people and denial to yourself. Mm. Tell us about that now. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I've mentioned that I was drinking primarily on my own. Um, and there were times where I, you know, had empty bottles of wine in supermarket bags in the back of my car, clanking and, you know, every time I turned to court and I was just (laughs) looking for rubbish bins around the city where I could dispose of them because if I filled my recycle bin, that wouldn't be a good look and my husband would see how many bottles I was drinking and, of course, I was hiding it. I was hiding wine bottles all through the house in the linen cabinet, Um, And there were times where my daughter would find a bottle, Mum, you've left one back here, you know, and all of these things should have been light bulb moments. This is not normal drinking. Mm. And I knew it wasn't normal and yet continued. So, um, yeah, I can look back on it now and almost laugh, like how ridiculous Mm -hmm. some of the things that I did um, just that, that con- all-consuming thinking during the day. I couldn't drink when I was at work, and it was just, you know, surviving until I could get that mm-hmm. first drink when I got home. Mm-hmm. Mm. And so today, you know, you say, I'm Jane and I'm an alcoholic. Does that feel, how does that feel? I'm not ashamed of it at all. Mm. In fact, it was almost a relief because... I was suffering on my own. Mm. And I say suffering because it it was a physical suffering. Mm. You know, toward the end, I didn't want to drink, and yet I did anyway. I'd wake up hungover. I would occasionally want to vomit while I was working. Mm -hmm. Uh, I would come home, have that first drink, and physically my body wanted to (laughs) reject it. Because I was so full of this poison, and yet I had to continue. Mm. Um, but it was also that mental suffering, that um, all-consuming thinking about it. How do I get the next one? How do I get the money for it? How do I hide it? Mm. How do I have a drink without my fellow 
members of society knowing that I've had a few. Can I drive? You know, it was just, yeah, it took over my life in a way. And now I have that relief of living a, a sober life mm-hmm. that I wouldn't trade. And, and that's, my, I, I mm. guess, my next question to you is, you know, how do you describe your, la- your life today? You know, only or, yay, 10 months later. Mm. Tell us about what it's like today. It was it was hard at first, uh, but, you know, as you say, 10 months down the track, my life is exponentially better. Um, I have my family back. I have mm. a marriage now. Mm. Uh, we, you know, we were strangers, really, mm. um, and now we can talk for hours. And most importantly, my children, mm. um, they are, and, and again, it took time, but they're slowly starting to respect me as a parent again want to be around me mm. and I'm going out and socialising again and again uh, you know that that was a bit scary at first mm. to do that not drinking um, but you get over it and you get through it and it's worth it because mm. I have a life now mm. I'm not hiding in my room two bottles of wine down yeah. you know and that's and that's amazing. Mm. Um, we you know we talk about an AA that it's a spiritual program, not a religious program. What does that look like for you? When I first walked into the rooms and saw the word God on all the posters, I was a bit concerned because I grew up actually, um, you know, in a Catholic family. Mm-hmm. Went to a, went to a Catholic school, uh, but a religious God just didn't resonate with me and to this day I don't follow a religion but I quickly realized that AA is not about religion mm. and um, I, I still giggle when I hear newcomers mention about oh it seems like a cult <laughs> it is nothing like that at all um, to me it is important to have some kind of higher being, if you like, but to me, it is nature. It could be, um, you know, I see a bird fly through the sky, and I think to myself, I've just had a moment of peace. Mm. Um, yeah, it, it doesn't have to be a religious mm. god. Mm. Absolutely. Um, now, Jane, what would you suggest for any listeners that think they may have a drinking problem? You know, what are some of the questions they could ask themselves? Uh, does drinking still give you joy? Mm. And I'm talking about the kind of joy that is a consistent joy. Mm. So if you enjoy the actual drinking at that moment, of course you do, it's alcohol. But the next day, how do you feel? Mm. Later that week, do you have any regrets? Uh, And if it starts to become... That thinking, I can't wait to get the next one, Mm. that's another big one. Mm. Uh, And, of course, look at your relationships. Mm. Talk to your friends and family. And if you're not feeling confident or not too sure about mentioning it to them, I do suggest picking up the phone and ringing the AA number, Mm -hmm. 0800 number, or just try a meeting. Walk Mm. in and listen. You don't have to say a word. No. You literally can just sit there and listen, and if you hear anything that you resonate with, then you might be in the right place. Mm. Well, Jane, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your story with us.
Thank you. For our listeners, if you've related to anything that you've heard or would like some more information about Alcoholics Anonymous, you can look us up on the web at www.aa.org.nz or as Jane said, you can call us on the 0800 number, which is 0800 AA Works. There are over 60 meetings a week in Canterbury, so it's likely there's one near you. Join us next week to hear from more AA members sharing their experiences. Our show airs every Monday at 5.30pm on Plains FM and repeats again on Wednesday at 12.30pm. You can also find podcasts of our past shows on the Plains FM website at plainsfm.org.nz or you can download, subscribe and listen to podcasts on iTunes and Spotify. That brings us to the end of the show. Thank you for listening. And remember, if you want to drink, that's your business. But if you want to stop, we can help. You don't have to do it alone. We will now close the show with the serenity prayer, as we do in every AA meeting. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change courage to change things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. You have been listening to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show on Plains FM 96.9.